Superhumanize. Accelerated evolution. In today's episode, we'll talk about a very important issue that may be the root cause for many of our mystery illnesses or allergy symptoms, mold. Mold contamination can be hiding in our homes and destroy our health, and about 10 million people in the U.S. are dealing with some degree of mold toxicity. My guest today is Michael Rubino, also known as the Mold Medic. He's a mold remediator known for the innovative ways he helps people find and remove mold from their homes. In his book, The Mold Medic, he explains the remediation process from where to start when you think you have a mold-related issue, how to choose a mold remediation company, as well as the specific protocols that a company should be using. Michael will talk to us about the dangers of mold and give us detailed advice on how to detox and recover from mold-related illnesses, and also how to make sure to keep our homes mold-free. To this day, Michael has helped over 1,000 families heal from toxic mold exposure, and he is dedicated to giving us the resources we need to overcome poor air quality and create a safe home environment for us and our families. summer and I have passionately dedicated the last 12 years of my life to creating the ultimate human experience mentally, physically and spiritually based on the most powerful ancient teachings and cutting edge modern discoveries and technologies. The Superhumanized Podcast is a show committed to sharing what I have learned from the world's leading experts in order to help you achieve your full potential and create your best life ever. Michael, I'm so glad you're my guest today on the Superhumanized podcast. Mold is a super important topic, and you are an expert on all things mold. Welcome. Yes, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. I really was looking forward to picking your brain because I read that about 10 million people in the U.S. have some kind of a degree of mold toxicity. Why isn't mold a bigger topic? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, you know, the average person takes 20,000 breaths per day. We're consuming more air than anything else on the planet, more than food, more than water, supplements, et cetera. So it's no wonder that, you know, air quality is a big concern, but it's not even on people's radar, which is to me alarming, but it's exactly why I'm trying to raise the volume on, uh, you know, mold exposure and indoor air quality. Do you think it's possible that a lot of people just don't realize that many of the illnesses and allergies are really mold sensitivities? Yeah, I think people don't realize that. Um, you know, I do a lot of posting on Instagram and, you know, I'll get a lot of feedback of people saying, wow, I had no idea. You know, I have some of these symptoms. I'm going to check for mold. Um, I think that our society has really kind of poo-pooed mold, if you will. Um, what I mean by that is, you know, for so long, it was like, hey, it's not a big deal. Just pour bleach on it. Um, a lot of people were like, that's not mold, it's mildew, right? And um, there's even people that painted over mold thinking that that would solve the problem. So I think that there was just such a lack of information on how mold actually can impact us. And um, just the general lack of knowledge on, you know, mold exposure itself and how to deal with mold. 
I'd like to dig a little deeper into that. So uh, let's start with what exactly is the danger of mold? What does the audience need to know? Well, basically mold is between two and four micrometers. So one of the biggest dangers of mold is really anything smaller than 10 micrometers. It's so tiny that it actually passes through our respiratory tract system and can enter the bloodstream immediately. This, is, this means it's getting deep into the lungs, right? It's, it's just bypassing our, our normal uh, deficient defense mechanisms to kind of stop these particles from entering our body. So that's one of the biggest things. The other thing is there's so many different species that produce spores, and some of these mold species produce what's called mycotoxins, which is a toxic byproduct of what, you know, having a mold colony in your home can do. So I think that all of these things entering our body and us really not knowing much about all of them, uh, just because there's so many, just so, just so you're, you're aware, there's 100,000 species of mold or more. Um, so there's, there's just so much that's out there that we don't know about yet. So I think the, the general consensus is if you have mold in your home, you want to remove it because we, we don't really know the full extent of what it can do to you. Right. And with regards to some of the symptoms people could be experiencing, can you give us a bird's eye view of the range of the symptoms? Yeah. So I'd be- say, sorry. Yeah. I would say some of the most common symptoms you hear about is brain fog, um, that, that kind of losing sense of thought or, you know, losing your track of thought. Uh, the other one is chronic fatigue where you, you literally are always feeling tired. You would get a full eight night, full eight hours sleep, um, of rest and still feel like you, you didn't sleep at all. Um, just kind of always really feeling tired is the best way to describe it. Um, other common symptoms you hear are, uh, you know, respiratory infections, respiratory disease, um, allergy, like symptoms, like feeling like you, uh, are getting the onset of a cold that just never goes away. And then you can start to develop things like skin rashes, eczema, um, you know, difficulty breathing, uh, wheezing, coughing, et cetera. So yeah, there's a, there's a wide range of symptoms. Like I said, I think it's different for everybody and we're learning new things every day, but, uh, it's, it's very, very interesting. Yes. And I mean, for example, I have uh, friends and family who have found out that they had mold in their homes. One very dear friend, a singer, actually, she used to get these respiratory tract infections up to three times a year. And um, just two years ago, she actually found out that she had a mold problem in her apartment. And ever since that has been fixed, she didn't have a problem anymore. There's also, and again, this is complete speculation on my part, uh, but another friend uh, had um, quite severe mold problems that he also found out and they must have been in his home for years. He has been diagnosed with some actually quite severe diseases, uh, cancer amongst other, not sure if there's any correlation, but would it be fair to say that a long-term exposure to mold has a systemic debilitating effect on our bodies? Yeah, I would agree with that sentiment. Uh, you know, there are certain species of mold that produce mycotoxins that I mentioned earlier, and the study of mycotoxins is, you know, there's some controversy around it. But when you start to look at these medical journals, um, the the studies of mycotoxins that we are finding, we know that they're toxic to humans and animals as well, by the way. And we know that some of them can be carcinogenic. Obviously, it's different for everybody. It depends. But I have heard some wild things and I have seen some some pretty interesting correlations. 
What I would say is I think that we need to raise the volume on this topic and a lot more research needs to be done in the medical community to to fully understand the effects that mold can have on the body. Right now, I know that I, I, I talk to probably five to 10 people per day, all going through very, very similar health concerns. And it's just too many coincidences, right? There's too much correlation that I see in the encounter all the time for me not to say, okay, there's something going on here. Furthermore, I've actually been on the, on the front lines of this thing, removing mold from people's homes. And so when I see that transformation of them not feeling well at all, to going in and removing these indoor air pathogens and to seeing the improvement. I mean, people that couldn't even enter their homes that are now able to enter their homes and, and live there and sleep there. Um, I mean, it's, it's really amazing, honestly. Can you describe to us one of the cases that was uh, really an extreme, uh, quick uh, healing, feeling better effect? Yeah, you might not believe this. It's a woman named Shannon. We actually just finished her project. And uh, Shannon actually was on a feeding tube. Uh, probably three years into toxic mold exposure, she had no idea. She went to 41 different doctors before a doctor finally said, hey, I, this sounds like you may have, you know, potentially some sort of indoor air pathogen inside your home, maybe even mold. Finally prompted her to get a mold inspection. She had very toxic levels of toxic black mold, stachybotrys, catomium, and the uh, allergenic species aspergillus, all of which were mycotoxin producing molds. She got so sick uh, that she couldn't actually eat food anymore. So the doctor had to install a feeding tube and just to get her to be able to continue to get the nutrients that her body needs to survive. She couldn't really do the normal motherly duties. She was a mother of three. You know, wow. she, she was really debilitated. What's, what's really wild is after visiting Shannon's home, we put together a proposal to fix her home. We immediately recommended that she needed to vacate the home, figure that out, because we couldn't remediate with her in it anyway. So she gets an RV, puts it on the property that she's maybe 15 feet away from her house. Within one week of her moving from her house into that RV, she actually started feeling better, so much so that she was able to eat food again, the normal way. She got her feeding tube removed a week later. It's one of the miraculous stories that, that I've experienced that, I, that really validates that we're doing something that's important. We're, we're helping people and everybody needs to know that the possibilities of this are and a lot more study needs to be done. Yes. And so with regards to study and research, uh, can you share with us what the state of the research currently is with regards to mold? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's an evolving science. And what that means is you have different studies that are happening all the time. And uh, every, I would say probably once a month, you'll have some sort of study that has a relationship to mold. And um, typically what they're studying is the different types of health effects. Uh, they're studying mycotoxins, a, a byproduct of mold. And, um, you know, there's different species. So they'll, an interesting article that I, I read recently was all about aspergillosis, which is something that you get from having aspergillus, the mold, that, the mold itself, but it's the study based upon that mold. So we're at our infancy state. And, and what that means really is, I look at this as a cycle. Now, 
those of us may remember smoking cigarettes was a very popular thing, you know, pretty, pretty much through the 80s and 90s. Smoking cigarettes was actually something that we did for 50 years before we realized that, hey, uh, probably not good for us. As a matter of fact, you could Google the, a doctor camel ad where actual doctors were recommending smoking cigarettes in advertisements. You know, then this one, it happened to be for camel, the, the cigarette company. So we've really come a long way in 50 years to say smoking's not great. And, you know, we've, we've really messed with the taxes on it, um, changed the age requirements on it to really ensure that youngins aren't getting hooked on cigarettes. Um, and we're, we're kind of moving away from that. And a lot of people know it's so bad for us that we're not going to get into it. So we've definitely moved in the right direction. Where we're at in mold is we're probably like in that 20 year cycle of this 50 years. You know, we went through the mold's not, not that bad. Don't worry about mold. Just throw some bleach on it. So like, Hey, now mold is, is definitely bad. We're not sure how bad yet, but it's definitely bad. If you haven't removed it, as a matter of fact, if you go on the EPA's website, it says, you know, mold can cause allergic reactions in some, the best practice if you have mold is to remove it. So we're there. We're just not all the way there. Got it. And uh, I'm very grateful to you to putting the word out. Awareness is really key here. Uh, I want to talk about uh, just in a minute about how we can make sure our homes are mold free. But with regards to our bodies, are there particular tests we can take to check if we have a mold problem in our bodies, yeah. in our system? Yes, there's a laboratory uh, called Great Plains Lab. They're out in New York. And um, they actually can test for mycotoxins inside the body. And I know there's IgG marker tests as well that can give a clue to mold toxicity. So yeah, you can, you can take that data, you can test the body and then actually test the home and correlate the two data together. And most of the time you'll see it kind of lines right up. You'll see that someone has a particular mycotoxin. And then when you look at the, the house, you'll see that that particular mold seems to be abundant in the environment. From there, you really want to locate where it is in the home and put a plan together to remove it properly. Why that's important is because if you just go to the doctor and you start taking binders and, and all these supplements to help detoxify, it doesn't work as well if you're going right back into the environment where it's impacting the body in the first place. Exactly. So you kind of want to do each other. You kind of want to do both processes in tandem fix the problem in the house, um, or at least, you know, move out of the house, go to a place that doesn't have those types of molds that are impacting you so you can heal, detoxify from the body. So you want to make sure it all makes sense. In one of your interviews, you said that people should actually check their toilet tank for mold. And if they find mold growing in there, it's a pretty good indicator that mold is in the house. Do you have any yeah. other locations that people should check for mold? You know, I love that one because it's it's an interesting uh, tactic. A, most people don't check their toilet tanks, so they, they really don't have any idea. But also, it's a place where there's standing water quite, a, quite often. And so as mold kind of circulates around the house, mold is going to look for an environment where it can opportunistically grow. And it needs water for that. So a toilet tank's a great spot. The other, I would say, if we're looking for just places where mold can hide, I, I find it in subgrade areas, meaning basements or crawl spaces, because they're areas that people don't frequently check. And they're also areas below grade that are more prone to moisture intrusion. So they tend to be in, in basements and crawl spaces. 
they also tend to be in addicts. And it's just, it's just kind of the way things go, especially depending on the climate. Uh, in the Northeast, you have a lot of temperature swings. So you'll have in the wintertime air that comes from the top and pushes its way downward. So whenever you have a, a situation where you can have warm air and cool air mixing, creating an, an ability to condensate, uh, without proper ventilation, you can have mold growth. So I see mold growing in attics uh, quite often. And again, people don't go in their attics a lot to see those types of things. True. Uh, and, and then, of course, the average kitchens and bathrooms where it makes sense where you'd find mold, right? Because there's always a source of water. So for people who want to get a head start on that and just make sure their homes are okay, are there any tests, any kits that we could buy to find out if we have mold? Or should we always, from the get-go, hire a professional? Well, I mean, it's a great question. I would say if you want to, if you want to start somewhere, um, I mean, I've had, I've had people say, Hey, can I just go get those Home Depot test kits to, to test? Um, you could, if you find a spot that you already look suspect and you just want confirmation, is this mold? By all means, go for it. It usually will turn purple or something if there's mold present, but that's not going to tell you what's there, how much and how bad, right? So you're not going to have the data you need to actually solve the problem. But if you want that understanding of, hey, look, let me at least test this to see if I need to call in professional, that's fine. There's another test that you can do, um, especially if you're like a renter. I would do what's called an ERMI test. Again, a lot of, you know, th there's such a thing as a mold recovery coach. There's a lot of mold coaches out there that, that sell those. You can call the lab directly. And then, of course, a mold inspector. But I want to caution people who utilize ERMI tests because... Being in the industry uh, for the last decade, I've seen them used properly. I've seen them used improperly. Um, there's going to be a scoring methodology at the bottom right, and it's going to say, you know, Q1, Q2, Q3, Q4. Obviously, everyone wants the lowest, which is Q1, which means that, you know, there's no way you have a mold problem. Um, unfortunately, the scoring methodology, it's, it's not, it hasn't quite evolved to where it needs to go. And, um, What is important though, and what is useful data to have is when you look at the columns, it'll tell you what species is there and how much is there, right? And I think that's important because when you're looking at, um, you know, hey, there's, you know, there seems to be between five and 10 molds everywhere. But on this, for this mold, there happens to be tens of thousands. You're going to be able to see, even if you're not a trained professional, uh, you know, there seems to be something odd about this. And that can kind of clue you into, well, where is that coming from? Now I need to bring in a mold inspector to see what's going on. If the numbers are all pretty low, that's a great sign that you don't have a problem. You, you may not need to get a mold inspector in. But I would say, you know, listen to your body. If you have an instinct that there could be mold present, you feel like you have all the symptoms, it's, just, it's best to get it checked out, at least for peace of mind. Because honestly, indoor air quality is one of the most one of the biggest proponents of adverse health reactions, I think, that we're just not even aware of. Right. Um, I'd like to talk a little bit about uh, two approaches to, with regards to getting rid of the mold problem. One of them is the do-it-yourself. Mm -hmm. And then I want to hear about you, how do you approach it professionally, because this is also part of what you do. So if somebody wants to go the route, you know, I want to take care of this myself, are there any products uh, that remove mold efficiently or is that just a big no-no? Just always hire the professional to remove the mold. 
Well, you know, it's a great question. Um, I've had people have success doing it themselves. So I don't want to say that it's impossible. Um, I think that you have to have the, the fundamental understanding of how mold operates. And mold has what's called hyphae that grows into building materials. So depending on where you're trying to remove mold. Now, if you're, if you're scrubbing mold out of grout or, you know, off of the tile in a bathroom, that's a DIY project for sure. If you're, if you see mold growing inside of a wall underneath your window from a window leak, you got to open that wall up. I just want you to think of one thing. If you open that wall up, you could be inadvertently releasing hundreds of thousands of spores into the environment. And so at that point, you're redistributing the mold from underneath the window to the rest of your house as well. So that's the kind of stuff you want to be careful of. Anything that you have to do from a cleaning perspective, you're not as concerned. But when you have to start damaging a wall to open it up, I would say you may want to hire a professional. It's better to be safe than sorry. In terms of what products can you use, my favorite product for mold removal is actually Benefect Decon 30. And the reason being is it's botanical, so there's no chemicals involved. And it has a perfect mixture to, of disinfectant to surfactant. And surfactant's like, uh, you know, almost like a soap. It gets so soapy or sudsy. What that's doing is it's help releasing whatever's stuck to the surface so that you can then wipe it away. And the best thing to use for wiping mold away would be a microfiber towel. Better than a sponge, a paper towel, rag. Reason being is microfiber towels just on its own are known for collecting, I think it's 10 times more dust and debris. So it's the same thing with mold. It, it's going to get trapped into the grooves. It's going to remove more per swipe. That makes total sense. And I like that you have a botanical approach because uh, adding more toxins, uh, chemicals into yeah. our homes to clean something up, uh, that's also not ideal. So when we look at cleaning up mold uh, professionally, this is something, of course, that you're very well acquainted with and equipped to do something that you do. How difficult is it to get rid of mold? Let's say you have a big mold problem in the house. Is it even possible to clean that out? It is. Um, I've been part of some of the most complex projects, um, I think, think ever. Um, basically, the three fundamentals in any project is you fix the source of water or moisture that allowed the opportunity for mold to grow in the first place. And sometimes it's not abundantly clear. You need to actually remove some building components so you can see what's behind them and see where the water came from. But if you don't correct the water or moisture intrusion, no matter how well you are removing mold, it's very likely for it to come back. So those two are very important. The second thing is you have to remove the mold colony. Now, there's a difference between, you know, wiping mold away when you're cleaning and actually getting to the root of the problem. So if mold is, let's say, growing on your tile, because tile is, is typically, depending on the tile, but ceramic tile, for instance, is not porous, it actually, it doesn't, its roots can't grow into it. So you can just wipe it away. But if it's mold is growing in a drywall, it actually has root-like structures called hyphae that grow into the drywall. So at that point, wiping it would not fully remove it. So in order to remove the mold colony, you'd have to remove the drywall, probably the insulation behind it. And you may, it may actually even extend it into the structure itself where you'd have to abrasively remove it by like sanding it. Um, and again, you want to do that with proper engineering control so it's not getting everywhere. Um, but by doing that and then actually treating it with an antimicrobial, like as we mentioned, the botanical one, that would be, okay, the colony is now gone. The third and final fundamental piece is when, it, when mold is actually growing and colonizing inside your home, it's 
constantly producing more mold spores and maybe toxins as well. So you want to remove as many of these mold spores, of course, the toxins as you possibly can. Otherwise, those spores are in the environment abundantly. And whenever you have a source of water or moisture, those spores can start turning quickly into a mold colony again. So it's really that, that trifecta process that really helps change the environment of the home and really puts mold kind of more into the past. Got it. And tell me a little bit about the mold spores. How long do they actually survive? That's a great question. I don't know that they actually, I don't know that they actually die. Um, I look at them like seeds. Mold is a lot like a weed. So for instance, you know, weeds, they have roots, they grow into the, the soil, they produce seeds, the seeds get aerosolized. Uh, it rains, the soil gets wet, and the seeds are in the, happen to fall in the soil and boom, you have more weeds. Mold is very similar. It has these called things called spores. Spores are not really alive. They're just seeds, if you will. And these spores then, once they have a source of water, they, that's when they start to become alive. They start to grow into colonies and it kind of goes from there. And the other thing about mold is, because a lot of people ask me, well, if you just take away the source of moisture or water, doesn't it just die off and disappear? That it, it, it may quote unquote die off, but even dead mold may still impact someone who's sensitive, right? So we want to make sure we're removing it not just trying to kill it. And that, that's one of the, the big proponents that I found seems to be successful in working with the immunocompromised environment. And so after being exposed to mold, what should someone do? How do we actually get the toxicity out of our bodies? Can you walk us through which types of programs uh, people undergo? Yeah. So a lot of people, what they'll do is obviously they'll move out, um, you know, and, and, and it gives them an environment to heal in. Uh, the reason being is because typically if your home has a, an extensive mold problem big enough to actually make you sick, there's typically a, a few different things going on in the environment. It could be a big project to fix. You may have roof leaks, window leaks, et cetera. So typically what I tend to notice is the people who, who start to feel ill, when you actually peel back the curtain of what's going on in the home, you typically will find anywhere from five to 10 different sources of mold of just, you know, either they bought the house like that or, you know, maintenance over time was neglected or they just didn't know about these things. Once they actually remove themselves from the environment, the house remediation can start to take shape and all these things will be opened up and problems will be discovered while that's happening. People are usually going to either a functional medicine doctor, uh, naturopathic doctor, et cetera. And they're usually getting put on these programs. Now I know some doctors it's, you know, a combination of binders, um, you know, high doses of, uh, of vitamin C and an IV drip, um, and, and changing their diet, right. So that it's an anti-inflammatory diet, you know, exercising more saunas, sweating stuff out. I mean, you're really changing your life. Uh, to really increase your detoxifying ability. At that point, you're starting to really heal. You're starting to get back to normal because you're, have, you're, you're lessening the inflammation that mold can cause. You're restoring your gut microbiome, which mold can definitely disrupt. And uh, you're no longer exposed to it. So you're really able to kind of heal and transform. And what's interesting about mold from what I understand it from, from people kind of telling me about it, you know, I'm not a doctor, but I've seen enough of these cases to kind of understand what's going on. It seems to be like such a slow debilitation. 
typically when I talk to people, it's like I was exposed to mold as a kid. And then, you know, I, I had a flare up later on when I moved into this house, there were some triggers. So for one reason or another, their immune system gets debilitated, whether it's by mold, whether it's exacerbated by mold, um, it's all different types. I mean, I've had uh, clients who have Lyme disease, right? So they're already have their immune system compromised due to the Lyme. And so when, they, when they're in a moldy environment, forget it, it just completely overloads the immune system. So it's very interesting to watch this take shape, but uh, you know, it's, it's amazing to watch people go from not feeling well in their own home to feeling amazing. Yes, that must be very gratifying in your work. And I think it's also important to consider, uh, so mold, as far as I understand, can also cause chronic inflammatory processes in the body, right? Yes. Yeah, and there's actually actually a designation for it. Uh, Dr. Richie Shoemaker, he um, came up with chronic inflammatory response syndrome, Sears. Mm-hmm. And uh, typically people who are dealing with mold exposure, they also have those uh, inflammation markers and identify as having Sears. Yes. And something that's really important to keep in mind is that these chronic inflammations, even if they're low grade and don't bother us too much in our day-to-day lives, they can facilitate really serious chronic diseases. So we do want to take care of that. Um, Michael, before we started uh, actually recording the podcast, uh, we talked about you are in Tampa, Florida. I've Mm -hmm. lived in Florida before and I mentioned, well, that's the perfect uh, setting climate-wise for mold, right? And you actually responded, most of your work is actually done in California, which surprised me. Tell me more about that. Yeah, you know, well, what's interesting is I think that pretty much mold happens everywhere. So a lot of people would assume that, you know, there's more uh, work remediating mold in Florida than let's say Tucson, Arizona. And, you know, it's probably true, but believe it or not, I've gotten a lot of calls in Arizona as well. Look, we all have buildings that leak. The way in which we build buildings today, um, and really any any building, it's prone to have things start to break down over time. And again, because our society has never really looked at looked as mold looked at mold as a threat, I think just the general lack of caring or or speedy response that's really required to make sure mold doesn't grow in our homes. Uh, I think that there's, there's just a lack of that. So, for instance, you know, most people they don't do annual inspections to check their roof or their doors and windows, make sure everything looks good, nothing is uh, wearing and tearing or breaking down. And we typically don't actually deal with something like that until we see a visible sign of a problem. And by that time, mold can start to grow in as quickly as 24 to 48 hours. And so if we procrastinate in that area, most likely we'll have a leak. It will uh, persist for more than 24 hours. And we will start to have mold. And if we procrastinate on that, we may just seal up the window, think there's no mold and it's fine. But that's not always the case. A lot of the times when I see people there may be one or two situations with it, which they knew about it. When you ask them, you know, why didn't they do X, Y, and Z to make sure it was dried out properly? They will tell you, I didn't know any better at the time. You know, we were not educated as a society to really avoid these types of things. And that's why I'm desperately trying to, you know, create that awareness because I think that honestly, a lot of the problems that I see are avoidable. The other thing is, you know, this process of buying and selling homes, right? We have a home inspection done but we don't really ever have a mold inspection to coincide with the home inspection. Most home inspection companies, they're not going there looking for mold. They may notice something and write it down in the report, but they're not doing testing. They're not 
actively looking for it. And I think when you buy a home, if mold is something you're concerned about, which we should all be concerned about it, I think that you want a mold inspection done in tandem with the home inspection to make sure that there's nothing microbiologically going on with the house that could be a problem because typically they end up being costly problems. Um, I think, you know, we start shifting to some of those changes. We really start to see the dynamic change and, and things get better. But right now we're, we're so far behind. We're, we're kind of playing catch up at this point. Right. And um, so, and with regards to California and Florida, is there a particular issue in California why you've seen most of your work actually happening there? You know, a lot of the homes in California that we've been working on, they were built 100 years ago. There's been, you know, 10 different levels of renovations done on it, um, expanding the house bigger and bigger. And, um, you know, it's you got you got so many different building practices going on in one house. How they tie together is so important. A lot of these houses, you'll see, they just don't tie together properly. You have, let's say, for instance, one crawl space is done properly but the older crawl spaces were never retrofitted to, to really communicate properly. So you have uh, unwanted moisture intrusion and things like that that can impact the space. Um, I've seen brand new houses, maybe two, three years old with massive mold problems because they built it, you know, beautifully modern looking. However, some of the, the building busts, as I call them, um, they had back pitching. It looked nice, but it just wasn't uh, functional to keep water out. So a lot of, a lot of things we do in modern times to make things look nice. We sacrifice, you know, water and moisture, um, intrusions as a result. And, uh, again, we're, we're still not where we need to be in terms of air quality, because I think if we thought more about air quality in terms of that, we would probably make better decisions and saying, you know what, no, let's make sure things slope away from the house. Let's make sure we build these things where water and moisture won't get trapped dehumidifiers just as part of the building process. And um, like I said, I think we're just not there yet. Yes. And it's uh, called the breath of life for a reason. And you're giving us a lot of really uh, valid and important input. What the air we breathe uh, can be medicine or it can really uh, be toxic to us. There's a question, Michael, I ask every guest and that, are there any practices in your life that have benefited you greatly, either mentally, physically, or spiritually? And would you share them with us? Yes. You know, I think one of the biggest things that I do is uh, stop for, for two seconds and just exhale. Um, I think that's one of the biggest things that that's helped me. You know, earlier today, I was trying to figure out a problem And, you know, it's easy to get obsessed with these types of things where you're like, you know, I can't, it's not until it's done, I have to, to continue to do this. And so sometimes it's a stop and, and exhale, uh, the answers come right to you. And it happened to me earlier today where I just stopped, I exhaled and, uh, all of a sudden it was like, boom, here's the solution. This is what you do. And it's, it was, you know, it's almost amazing, like almost like an out of body experience to just appreciate what you have and just let things come to you. Wonderful. And again, here we are with just breathe, exhale, let it go, relax, getting out of that fight or flight state. Michael, for people who want to learn more about your work and connect with you, where can they do so? All right. So three places. One, if you were interested in the book, go to themoldmedic.com. There's a ton of information about the book there. Um, it's, it's an expert's guide on mold removal. 
The second area of, of amazingness that you will find is allamericanrestoration.com. Why I say that is because we have a ton of free resources on there, such as how do I find a good mold remediation company? How do I find a good mold testing company? Um, and you know, to be on a mold remediations website and have that information is, is almost unparalleled. The last place you could find me is on Instagram. I'm very, very active at the mold medic. Um, that's where I really create awareness. I talk about unique topics. Um, you know, every single day I post and it's all different things, all educational things to, you know, make life better for you and your family. Fantastic, Michael. Uh, thank you for raising awareness uh, around this really, really important topic and helping us all get healthier and, uh, detoxify our homes and bodies. It was a real pleasure talking to you. I learned a lot of new things. Thank you for being my guest today. Likewise. Thanks for having me. Superhumanize. Accelerated evolution. 